Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire. We've got um, Bill on again. Hello. And um, we're back to Redwall and we're on uh, Chapter 8. Clooney the Scourge was having nightmares. And he's, uh, he's sleeping in the church mouse's bed at uh, St. Ninian's. He's the church mice are at this point refugees in Redwall and um, he's living in their home. And um, he's having a nightmare where he's reliving stuff from his past. So, you know, damaging farm animals and fighting with the pike that took his eye. And um, at that that point, as he's, you know, killing and conquering, uh, he sees the figure of a mouse in a hooded robe. And... It's clearly meant to be Martin. It's it's Martin or it's Matthias. Um, they're kind of the yeah. characters are kind of conflated. Yeah. And he fears this mouse, and he doesn't know why he fears it, but he's he's running from it and laughing insanely and um, running harder from this mouse. He can't frighten it, and it um, lifts up a large sword that has a word written on it that he can't read. And um, it's growing to a giant, and he's having that uh, dream effect where he's trying to run, but he can't run fast. I think we've all had dreams like that. Um, And swings that sword to hit him, and... He's woken up by the clanging of the Joseph Bell. Now this is... uh, It is foreshadowing. This is a recurring Jake's theme where... um, This is the first time you see it where a... A villain is plagued by nightmares or... um, Possibly... um, Insanity, like his the their sanity is slipping, or both. This is a recurring theme that he's going to use again and again through his books, and um, yep. This is not going to be the first of Clooney's nightmares in this book either. And uh, he wakes up to find Ragier and Mange for in his room, yeah. and they. They're back from their foraging party, and they've got some pitiful, unappetizing dead beetles, large earthworms, um, unidentifiable uh, vegetation, and the carcass of a long-dead sparrow, which is kind of creepy because sparrows are sapiens in this world. Yep. Um, well, that's the thing. The, the villains do eat birds, um, both birds that could be sapiens and birds that... Probably aren't. Yeah, we have no idea if they are or not. But and just a thing to show there are uncouth woodlanders very seldom are shown eating birds in any way. Um, and so he flips out and is like, yeah, bring me good meat, uh, fresh, um, or I'll cook you guys. Yeah. Uh, and he probably doesn't mean it. I mean, there's a few villain characters later on that it wouldn't be a stretch but Clooney probably wouldn't and um, 
after they run off, Frog Blood and Scum Nose come in, and they have recruits, rats, um, ferrets, weasels, and stoats, and uh, some of them were happy to join up with Clooney and get plunder, and some of them were press ganged. They were um, beaten up and threatened by um, Frog Blood, and join up, you're gonna die. So, Clooney has... Some of his soldiers are, you know, conscripted by force, which... So they're less than willing. Which can be a thing during war, but... um, The implications of this aren't going to be really explored in this book. The the Woodlanders fighting uh, unwilling soldiers. Um, Yeah. And... Um, Red Tooth reads them the articles of joining the Clooney's Horde. You're in the service... Right, right eyes front. You're in the service of Clooney the Scourge. Now, me buckos, desert and you'll be killed. Retreat and you're under sentence of death. Disobey and you'll die. I'm Red Tooth, Clooney's number one rat. You will obey the word of your captains. They take orders from me. I take orders from Clooney. Remember that. Now, if any one, two... Or a group, or even all of you together, want to try and beat Clooney and lead the horde, this is your chance. And uh, at this point, Clooney has his uh, intimidation tactic where he just goes running out, lashing his tail, and uh, mm-hmm. just looking crazy. And yeah, mm-hmm. nobody wants to fight him like that. He's also bigger and stronger. He is bigger and stronger, but hey, they just offered whole herd, the whole horde want to fight him? Nope. Yeah, I guess not. You'd have to have a leader otherwise. And so they're... They all acknowledge Clooney as their leader and they're, uh... Waving their weapons around and... That's how the chapter ends. Um... Chapter 9... Um, back at Redwall Abbey and then going on... Long, uh, wordy description of all the flowers and vegetables and fruit they've got in their garden and... Yeah... Um, total contrast. Total contrast, indeed. Little Dibbons sleeping in the strawberry patch after they've eaten their fill of strawberries. So cute. Um, they have no idea what's coming. And uh, Constance and the abbot are uh, taking a stroll through the abbey grounds and um, discussing the threat that they're facing. And... Um, the abbot is saying that many times in their history, tragedy has been forestalled by uh, miraculous happenings. Now, yeah, throughout the history of Redwall, they've been attacked again and again and again. This really shouldn't be that much of a surprise at this point. But remember, this is the first book that doesn't have all of that history to go back on. Um... Yeah, it's like they're attacked by a vermin horde every few seasons. Like, Yeah, they're always attacked. That seems to be the theme from even before Redwall begins, is that they always get attacked. They're, for, I guess, for whatever reason, they're just, they're all, you know, they're not... Well, in the case of the Abbey itself, they got a lot of food and a fortified wall and... Yeah, they got resources... They're, they're, they're basically a, f- a sweet fort to capture. 
And they've got little in the way of actual anything that could be considered monetarily treasure, but there's the reputation that they have it. And Matthias is in Cavern Hall having his breakfast of some fruit and bread and uh, goat milk. And once again, this is the first and only time you see goats mentioned. I think uh, Jake's retconned to that pretty quick. Um, and uh, Methuselah comes in and uh, is having a talk with him. And... Um, Matthias is like, Brother Methuselah, what, what should we do? And Methuselah is like, if, uh, if I wasn't so old, I'd do exactly what you were doing. Matthias is like, what, you'd fight? And Methuselah is like, yeah, it's the only sensible course to take. Of course I'd fight. Yeah. And then um, he goes on to talk about how uh, Martin the Warrior came to Redwall and how similar he was to Matthias and his uh, youthful innocence. Now, again, more of a setup. Not that this book really goes into it, but in the actual, you know, later book, um, called Moss Flower, when Martin the Warrior shows up, he's got. <clears throat> he's. I'm not gonna say he's like totally lost this uh, youthful innocence, but he's been through some rough times. He's been in several battles. Um, he's had some tough losses um he's not exactly in matthias's place nope not at all um and uh the joseph bell tolls just then and matthias runs out to find out what's going on with the abbot and constance and um brothers rufus and george who were Guarding the gatehouse, they report that a large uh, rat covered in tattoos, and he's got a cutlass, um, came up to the gate, and um, he was limping, pretending to be injured. Uh, don't mind the dog barking in the background. And he says that he was part of an accident with a hay cart that was overthrown in a ditch, and that the rats were trapped to... Uh, needing help, and Brother Rufus is like, how many rats were in this cart? And this rat, being, I guess, not the brightest, he says, a couple of hundred. He just gave himself away there. And Rufus and George are like, well, why didn't you... Why are... Were they all trapped? How come they don't help their own? And this rat is like, could you... Could I at least come in and get some food and help for my injury. And Brother George agrees if he leaves his cutlass behind, and at which point the rat attacks and gets uh, yes. beaten back with a staff. Yep. Let's repeat. So... Um... At this point, yeah, they're they're taking this threat more serious and d decide that it's time to put a message out to the woodland creatures that they can come to Redwall for sanctuary from the rats. Uh, um, they toll the bell, 
so that even animals who don't understand the language would recognize that as a warning and a place of sanctuary. I don't know how they'd know that. And animals having significantly different languages that they wouldn't understand is almost entirely ditched as a concept after this book. Yeah. Almost is, entirely. Well, as is like just general different cultures and for the most part. And, uh, I mean, you still get different cultures like shrews and otters and all that stuff, but... Now and again, there's a sort of exception. If you count, like, a little phonetic difference being another language. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, 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 there's nobody who's uh, Portuguese, we'll put it that way. And um, they send out Ambrose Spike to... Uh, help uh, spread the, the word that the animals can come in and hide their um, and you know, animals are coming in and uh, heeding this message yep that draws more attention and uh, yeah it at this point, um, they look out over the wall and they see Clooney and his horde coming right up the road. And they think that the bell, Clooney and his horde, they think the bell is to scare them off. Um, this is chapter 10 that this, this starts, but it's back to Clooney's point of view. Yeah, and Clooney's got his... Uh, armor on to look as uh, intimidating as possible it's, um he's got a batwing cloak a mole skull fastening at his throat so he's pretty big if he can use a mole skull as a um cloak button um wait yes oh, oh. okay you said batwing cloak. Oh, he's got a batwing cloak fastened at his throat by literally, a mole skull. Uh, literally a batwing with a literal mole skull. Once again, moles are sapient, bats are sapient. That's uh, pretty dark. Um, Did they ever get into bats later on? Yeah, they do. What, what book was that? Um, they show up in uh, Moss Flower, and I think they show up again in another book, but I don't remember exactly which one. Okay. Um... Anyway, so the point is both of them are sapient and he's wearing, you know, basically the skins of what are, sh should be considered different people. And he's got a, Skulls, his yeah. war helmet, he has um, blackbird plumes and the horns of a stag beetle. So he, he comes up all dressed up like that and... I believe I mentioned in an earlier chapter that he has a poison spike attached to his tail. I mean, that's sort of the imagery that's given off. They, they stop him at the gate and... Um, Clooney's like, yeah, I want to go, want to talk to your chief. And um, the abbot... They, they agree that the abbot will uh, talk to Clooney and to Redtooth and the rest of the horde have to stay outside and Clooney agrees to this and Redtooth is like what about hostages for safe conduct mm -hmm. which 
um, does come up as a concept to some, not in exactly this context, but late in later books. Um, but at this point, um, Clooney's like, yeah, don't worry about that. The country bumpkins, they're mice of honor. They'd never break their word. And um, they require the rats to disarm their weapons, and that includes Clooney's tail. So he, um, Matthias is like, if you're really Clooney, your yeah. your tail is a weapon. You need to tie this around your waist before you come in. So Clooney takes off his spike and ties the tail around his waist. Now, actually, rat tails are not as flexible as that. That would break some bones if they really did that, but hey, it's a fantasy book. Um, and they come in, and uh, Clooney's acting threatening toward the guards to see them panic and scatter, which, um, you know, that's betraying some weakness there. Um, and... They come in, they uh, look around Redwall, and Clooney's uh, looking around being like, yeah, I'm going to be king of this place. Um, Cornflower comes in with some refreshments. Redtooth says, she's a pretty little one for you. Okay, Redtooth creepy. Um, yeah, Cornflower, I think she's about supposed to be about 13 in human uh, age. Did you say that's about right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Clooney uh, picks up a bowl of milk, takes a sip, spits it out, right on the floor. And the abbot asks Clooney, uh, what does he want with Redwall Abbey? And Clooney says, you know, he wants the whole lot. And the abbot's like, no, of course I'm not going to give it to you. Um, that if if you need food, medical attention, clothing, they'll assist. Um, and Clooney just starts pounding on the table and has Red Tooth read the Articles of Surrender, which are as follows. One, surrender will be total and unconditional. Two, Clooney will execute the leaders of all who choose to oppose him. Three, all property conquered will belong solely to Clooney the Scourge. This includes homes, food, crops, land, and additionally, all creatures dwelling on said property. They shall be owned by Clooney. And you don't find out what the rest of these articles are because Matthias just, like, rips right through them with his staff. And, uh... Const... Yeah, um, Red Tooth launches himself at Matthias for that. Constance, um, knocks the rat out of the air with his, uh, with her huge paw. So this parley isn't exactly going diplomatically. Um, and, uh, the abbot is like, I'd like to see this rat get us just desserts, but you can't break the law of hospitality in the Abbey, so nope, um, Constance lets the rat up. And that's what separates them from the bad guys, in theory. 
And Spike Clooney's like, all of you are going to die. Every one of you. Um, in male, female, young ones, you refuse my terms. And um, Constance lifts up the entire cavern hall dining table. Badger's um, in red wall. I'm not actually sure with the inconsistent size scale how large they're meant to be in comparison with everyone else. Um, but they are significantly bigger and... Um, Later in the series, you have a badger, like, uprooting tree stumps with his bare paws. Um, but even if they're proper badger-sized, that's a formidable creature. And she picks up the entire table and is, like, get out before... Or else. Yeah. And this table is... A big dining table that the whole Abby can sit down and eat at. Well, possibly not everyone, but a lot. Um, and uh, before the rats leave, um, Clooney sees the tapestry with Martin the Warrior on it. Yeah, he freaks out. Yeah, he sees that and he's like, who's this mouse? And Matthias... You know, explains who this is, that he's Martin the Warrior, he founded their order, and um, if he was dealing with uh, these rats, he would pick up his sword and um, send all of them packing those that he didn't kill. And Clooney just allows himself to be um, shown out of the Abbey in a daze, and the reason why he reacted this way is um, Martin on the tapestry is the same uh, mouse that he saw in his nightmare two chapters back. Yes, yeah, some of these uh, recurring villain nightmares do um, have the image of Martin the Warrior showing up in them. At least um, villains that directly attack the Abbey. And, um, yeah, Constance throws out the articles of surrender parchment wrapped around some, uh, rotted vegetables. And, um, they hit Red Tooth right in the face, and Constance is like, yeah, don't forget to come to call again. I'd be delighted to see you. We've got unfinished business. Yeah. More foreshadowing. And uh, with that, um, chapter 10 is over. Um, you got any comment on this, Bill? Uh, just, as you said, lots of foreshadowing, lots of uh, setting up things. Uh, Clooney's a... Uh, it made make Clooney very, very, very uh, nice and unlikable. So I really like that. And I don't really have much. And ironically, I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, This girl loves Clooney the Scourge. I got it as a joke. Um, I have that shirt, too. She got me uh, one of them, too. And uh, with that, uh, we'll close off this episode. Uh, thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire. and Goodbye. Bye.